Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and on today's Friday Birthful Story, I'll be talking with Hanley Rice about her preemie vaginal birth. While pregnant, Hanley signed up for childbirth education classes and planned for a home birth. Then, at 30 weeks, she started leaking amniotic fluid. Her world got turned upside down, and she was admitted to the hospital to wait for a baby to arrive, hopefully not before 34 weeks. Even under those stressful circumstances, having a team that was sensitive to what she had planned made for a beautiful birth experience. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Simply Breastfeeding, a prenatal breastfeeding course to help nursing parents feel confident with their newborns. Learn more at birthful.com slash simplybreastfeeding and use the code birthful for 15% off. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guided meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive, pregnant, or new moms. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thank you again for all the love you give the show. And if you do like what you hear, then make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing now that we're up to two episodes a week. To best support this podcast, please support its sponsors, which in today's case are Simply Breastfeeding and Expectful. And also, if you want to truly prepare for those first few weeks with your newborn, then go to birthfulcourses.com to sign up, register for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes. You want to do those before the baby arrives. All right. So on to today's show, we have Henley Rice here today to share her premature birth story. Henley, welcome. It's great to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy you reached out and wanted to tell your story, which is uh, definitely an unusual point of view. And we will get into that. But um, before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um So my name is Hanley, and I met my husband really early, um, technically in first grade. And um, but we've been dating since high school. We dated all through high school and college and got married pretty young. We were both from North Carolina. Now we live in Philadelphia, where my husband is getting his PhD. And um, I've done mostly teaching Uh, right now, I'm just staying home with my baby. Yeah, who is how old right now? He is five months old. Yay! <laughs> And you've five months, right? But it's mm. I'm not I'm not gonna give it away yet. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna do that. Let's <laughs> take you back to when you were pregnant, and mm -hmm. you were thinking about you know I'm gonna give birth. What did you do to prepare? Well, I knew I wanted to have a home birth before I even got pregnant. And as soon as I got pregnant, I started searching for a home birth midwife and interviewed several people. Um, my husband was pretty supportive right from the start, but he was a little more cautious than I was. Um, and the midwife that we ended up choosing had just the right amount of risk averseness for him to make him feel comfortable. Um, and I also felt that she was, I felt comfortable around her and I felt really confident in her. Um, 
her name is Christy. I'll just say that now because I feel like I'm probably going to be talking about her a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my husband's name is Michael. Um, so that was the type of care that I had throughout the pregnancy. And it's very focused on staying healthy. I think I ate healthier than I did, than I ever had before while I was pregnant. Um, and everything went pretty smoothly and easily. Um, I just had the typical complaints, uh, nothing really out of the ordinary other than a few yeast infections, um, which I tried to deal with by taking probiotics and also the the regular over-the-counter medications. And it felt like they just keep, um, they just kept coming back. Um, my midwife eventually recommended cutting out sugar completely and very few carbs, which was very difficult for me to do. I love eating carbs. Um, but the third time that eventually did work. And so other than that, everything was pretty easy, normal, and just going smoothly. Yeah. Low risk, low risk pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you take any childbirth ed classes? Um, we did sign up for some classes, but we didn't end up able uh, being able to get to go to them. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, let's say what. <laughs> and I'll probably include it in the description anyway, so I don't know why I'm being mysterious about this. Um, <laughs> that So, you know, you, how did labor start for you, Hanley? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, Around 30 weeks, 30 and a half weeks, um, I felt some, what I thought was just some strange discharge. Like early in the morning, I had something that looked a little bit off to me. Um, Now looking back, I think it was the mucus plug, but at that point I was not expecting anything. So I just kind of thought it's just something odd. And then later that day, I felt, some fluid leak out. And I, again, didn't really think much of it. Um, Went to the bathroom and everything seemed okay after that. Um, When I came out though, I was just about to leave the house and some more came out like very quickly. Um, Some people asked me if it felt like I had peed, but it didn't really quite feel like that. But still it was enough for me to run back into the bathroom and um, uh, my husband was like, you need to call your midwife. You need to call Christy. I was thinking, oh, this is really nothing, just something something strange going on. So I just texted her. Um, but she called me back right away and told me, sounds like your water might have broken, so you need to go to the hospital and get it checked out. So she told me to pack a bag and expect to stay overnight at least. When I came out of the bathroom after talking to her, my husband had been Googling and he was already prepared. He was already packing a bag, ready to stay for a while. So we went to the hospital and um, started getting, uh, we were just in triage, getting that checked out. And um, the when I had gotten the yeast infections before, I had gone to a, a regular um midwife and gynecology practice that was connected to the hospital I ended up going to. So that's the way that we chose the backup hospital and how I was already sort of 
connected with the hospital in case anything went wrong. So we just went straight there. They were expecting me. My midwife um, had some connections with them and she was able to call ahead and tell them what was going on. Um, so one of the midwives in that practice, she um, did an exam and just from looking, she thought she was pretty sure that it was um, amniotic fluid. Some other tests that they did when I got there were either negative or inconclusive. It wasn't quite clear, but um, she thought just from looking, she was pretty certain that my water had broken, which meant that I needed to stay in the hospital until the baby was born. And they were telling me that would be about 34 weeks. I needed to wait until he was 34 weeks. Um, and then they would try and induce. So that was pretty... Now, hold on. Oh, yeah, okay. Hold on. <laughs> How... The, and right now, you're, you're at that point, you're 30 weeks. So they're mm -hmm. telling you that you're going to hang out at the hospital for four weeks. How, you know, what was going through your mind at that point and how were you taking these news and what were you and your husband considering? <laughs> well, the whole trip to the hospital and waiting to hear, I was just sure that it was going to be nothing. They were going to end up telling me like, oh, you were just worried about nothing. It's fine. Just go home. Um, so I really wasn't worried or concerned um, like all the while I was waiting to hear about the results and everything. Um, when they finally did tell me that I was going to have to stay and then move me to labor and delivery room, suddenly all these things started happening. Um, like then I started to get upset. And the reason was actually not because I was scared, but I thought I was, I thought I was going to be alone in the hospital for four weeks. I thought my husband was going to go home and have to go back to work and I would just be alone. Um, and so that was the part that I was really upset about actually. And then... My husband was like, of course not. I'm going to stay here with you. I'll stay here tonight. I'll be here every day, so don't worry about it. So, um, yeah, and the doctors and nurses were much more concerned that I was going to have the baby, like, that day or the next day. And I didn't quite realize um, what they were thinking or how seriously they were taking that possibility. I think they were trying to keep me calm and not scare me so they didn't make that totally clear they're more focusing on um, you're going to have to stay and we'll try and get you to 34 weeks. And um, they kept very calm. So I was, I think I was pretty calm too. I was just more dreading the four weeks at the hospital and thinking I was going to be alone, which didn't end up happening at all. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah. What, um, what protocols or what, what steps did they take to, because your water's broken at this point uh and you know when water breaks to me or and, and i think to the general birthy world the biggest concern yeah. is infection um right. and there's you know the research kind of shows that as time goes by that risk of infection goes up was were they doing anything specific like what are the two things that they were doing one to minimize infection and two to you know keep you keep baby in in for several more weeks Right. Um, so, yeah, infection was the thing that they're most worried about after just give, after delivering that day or the next day. Um, so they gave me antibiotics right away, um, IV fluids. They gave me steroids for the baby's lungs to develop faster. 
um, magnesium sulfate for the baby's brain to develop. And I think also that was supposed to help stop the labor. Um, I think those were the main things that they started as soon as they admitted me and sent me to labor and delivery, all that stuff started happening right away. Um, and that was not very fun, but especially the magnesium sulfate. Did um, it make you feel yucky? <laughs> oh yeah. Felt like I took about five shots of alcohol in half an hour. Like I got really hot, couldn't think straight. Um, and it, for the first half an hour, that's, I guess, when you feel it the most. And by the end of that, I was totally out of it, threw up. Um, but then after that first half hour, it didn't feel so bad. I was still kind of cloudy for the rest of the night of well, that dose, uh, while the magnesium sulfate was running. Um, and they were actually picking up contractions too. I couldn't feel them at all, um, which I, I'm not sure they totally believe me that I couldn't feel them. But um, <clears throat> so because of the water breaking and the contractions, um, their, their first concern was that I was going to deliver very quickly. So they were trying to just stop that. <clears throat> so we spent the night in labor and delivery, um, getting all that stuff through the IV and monitoring. That was a pretty miserable night. Uh, couldn't go to the bathroom, had to use a bedpan, which actually wasn't as bad as I had always imagined that it would be. Mm -hmm. The nurse was very sweet about it. But um, by the morning, the contractions had subsided. And so it didn't appear that I would be delivering right then. So then the next main concern was infection. And um, so I had to stay uh, not completely on bed rest. I could actually I moved first to a different unit, the maternal fetal medicine unit, rather than labor and delivery. Once they had checked the fluid and decided that there was enough that it wasn't, I didn't need to stay on continual monitoring in labor and delivery. Um, so I moved to a different room, which was much more comfortable. And they actually allowed my husband to use the second bed in the room to just stay there and sleep there with me, which was really nice. Yeah, um, that is. And, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we have no. to take a break um, okay. and we'll be right back. Breastfeeding, it may be natural, but that sure does not mean it's easy. It's a learning process for both you and baby, and like most learning processes, it takes a lot of trial and error. However, this trial and error can sometimes come with a lot of crying, and not necessarily only from your baby. Help lessen the crying and frustration by arming yourself with some solid knowledge. A great way to prepare for this is by taking the Simply Breastfeeding Online class created by breastfeeding experts Cindy and Jana. In their class, you'll learn to recognize what your baby is telling you and how to meet your baby's needs starting in the very first hour after birth. You'll also understand the basics of breastfeeding and be able to return to them if you encounter difficulties, and you'll feel confident knowing the answers to most frequently asked questions. Lessen your anxiety and frustration and relax knowing you've got this. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding to learn more. And as a Birthful listener, you get 15% off if you use the code BIRTHFUL when you register. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding or click the link on the show notes to get you on your way. And we're back talking to Henley Rice about her her birth story, which is, you know, surprisingly got you into the hospital at 30 weeks because your mm -hmm. water broke. Now, 
but they said that you know you did have enough fluid and and they weren't concerned about maybe that you were going to deliver immediately so then they moved you to the maternal fetal medicine unit um mm. was it were you feeling more like just the trickle of amniotic fluid was was it very slow leak yeah yeah yes it kept leaking um it would just be like at different times throughout the day just a little bit would leak out and if i so like i said i wasn't on complete bed rest i could walk around the hall and that was fine but if i walked far like sometimes i would try to go down to the cafeteria on the first floor and if i did that a lot more would leak out so i stopped doing that and so i pretty much had to stay on that one floor and just walk the halls there and the goal was to keep baby in until 35 weeks i think you said 34 weeks 34 weeks, 34 yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. did that happen no <laughs> um but it stayed he stayed in a while i think longer than they were expecting um so he stayed i was in the hospital 10 days until he was born he was born at 32 weeks um should i skip to the birth yeah yeah that how how did what was different that day or at that time at 32 weeks what was different that gave you a clue of huh labor starting yeah um so every night in the maternal fetal medicine unit they would do they would put me on the monitor and baby on the monitor and so friday night um second friday we were there they started detecting some contractions and my white blood cell count had also been a little bit high and my heart rate had been high for the maybe two or three days before that they'd been concerned about that um so all of those things were going on um at one night they um got a doctor to come in and um he recommended giving me a bunch of fluid um through an IV very quickly to try and stop the contractions again And so we did try that. It didn't work and contractions kept going. And I also at the time wasn't really feeling them. Um they were picking them up. If my husband looked at the monitor and told me when they were happening and I really concentrated on that, I could sort of feel it, but mm-hmm. um not really. <laughs> so, but after that didn't that wasn't successful. I moved to labor and delivery and um they checked my cervix and there was no um there was no dilation um but i just ended up staying there and got the continual monitoring also back on iv fluids um uh blood pressure heart rate all of that but thankfully this time i was able to take it all off and go to the bathroom if i needed to so i just i was in there labor and delivery again for another night um just being monitored and then the next day um i don't yeah the contractions had pretty much they had they had become more irregular so it didn't seem like um labor was necessarily progressing but the doctors wanted to induce anyway um just because the signs of infection were growing it didn't i never felt any i never felt any different it didn't feel to me like anything was really changing but um 
they felt like the signs were growing and they just wanted to go ahead and induce so that the baby wouldn't get an infection. Um, so there was one doctor who kind of came in and told me, we're inducing you. And then another doctor who came in and presented it as more of a choice. Here are the reasons why we think we should induce and are you okay with it? Um, I had never wanted to be induced. That was one of my fears, I guess, when thinking about birth. But I thought if I didn't get induced now, I would just be in the same situation a few days later, probably. They'd, they'd see more signs of possible infection and I'd have to do more monitoring and I'd just be back in the same position. So I said, okay, let's go ahead with it. Um, and so I asked if I could eat lunch and take a shower before getting started. They told me that it could take up to three days possibly um, to actually give birth after starting the induction. So I really wanted, and they weren't going to let me eat. So I really wanted to get That's that stuff done before. That's a long time to not eat. Three days if possible. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So did you yeah. get your good meal? Were you able to eat? I did. Good. I, yes. I had some Japanese ramen, very filling and good. <laughs> um, yeah. So they started out with Cytotec, which is supposed to ripen the cervix. And I was supposed to get four doses every four hours. And then if that wasn't successful in um, making labor start, then they would move to Pitocin. So um, started with the Cytotec and um, for the first four hours, I just felt some cramping. They asked me what I wanted to do for pain management and I told them I wanted to try it naturally because of course that had been the plan from the beginning, but I was willing to get an epidural if it got too bad since I knew I'd be getting Pitocin probably later on. Um, so when they took me after the first four hours, I was 50% effaced and just one centimeter dilated. Um, and more contractions started showing up on the monitor and I could start feeling them more at this point. And so I started working on breathing and relaxing. So like I said before, we hadn't been able to go to our birth classes because they started like the weekend after I was admitted to the hospital. Um, but during pregnancy, I had read, well, my husband and I had read together a Bradley Method book. So that was pretty much all we had to go off of. And that's what I tried to do. I would just, um, I would just kind of visualize a certain part of my body and try and breathe and relax that part with each contraction. And that, that was really helpful. And, um, were um, things getting more intense as time went by? Yeah, they were. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to actually fall asleep in between contractions. And I just remember having so many dreams. Um, I particularly remember one recurring dream where I would see this image of two yellow flowers. And every time I saw that, I would wake up from a contraction starting. And I don't know how many times that really happened, but it almost felt like that was the... I knew when I saw that the contraction's going to start to wake up and interesting, yeah, <laughs> everything, yeah, um, and that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so for the next four hours, it was definitely manageable. I just needed to breathe through them, and my husband was with me, um, kind of just rubbing my head. And uh, I forgot to say that my mom had come up while I was in the hospital. She had come for most of the time. She was there almost every day. Um, so she was also part of the team who was going to help me during labor and birth, my husband, Michael, my mom, and then 
my home birth midwife, Christy, she had stayed pretty involved and she was coming for the birth also. Um, not and I there got, yet at this point. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. to say that it's pretty neat that the there's that connection of collaborative work between the home birth midwives and the hospital in, in, in your neck of the woods, because mm-hmm. that makes such a big difference. Yeah, it really did. And she is known at the hospital and respected for um, bringing people in safely when they need to be brought into the hospital. And um, so, and also that hospital, since they have a midwife practice, they were a little bit more willing to let us do things on our own and naturally and um, more open to the idea of home birth. Of course, in my situation, they weren't going to let me do it with just the midwife practice or completely naturally. But, of course, um, yeah. Yeah, but they were still more sensitive to what I had originally planned. So that was really nice. Um, And it was also nice that this was all happening overnight. And so it was dark, not that many people were coming in and out. I was tired and able to sleep. And we were mostly left alone, not interrupted too often. So my husband was able to help me. And then my mom, he and my mom kind of switched off throughout the night. Um, Yeah, so... Not much progress was made after the second dose. I got the third dose um, around midnight. My husband and mom switched who was helping me. Um, and around 4 a.m., when I should have gotten the last dose, I think they must have been pretty busy because I didn't get checked or I didn't get the last one until about 6 a.m. And so by that point, I was two centimeters and got the final dose. The contraction monitor was never working very well, so the contractions weren't really showing up. Um, but the doctor who was giving me these, the cytotec, she could tell by watching me what was happening um, that the that it was getting a little bit more intense. Um, my mom um, came in around 7 a.m., and <clears throat> by that point, I felt like the breathing that I had been doing wasn't really helping as much as it had been before. And she reminded me to try the vocalizations, low vocalizing. So I switched to doing that, and that really helped with the level that they were getting to at that point. I'm always amazed and and enjoy so much that little things like that can make a difference. Like you do something mm-hmm. until it stops working, then you try something else. Yeah, and I was really glad that she remembered that <laughs> because I don't think at the moment I would have remembered to do that Um Yeah, I was still lying down in the bed. I couldn't really try many different positions. I was connected to too many things. So I was lying on my side and just switching my sides whenever it got uncomfortable on one. Um, And then a little bit later in the morning, my mom and husband suggested I try a different position. So I tried sitting and kind of like leaning into my husband whenever I had a contraction. But I felt like sitting was probably the worst position that I tried. This wasn't very comfortable. Um, so around that time, I, my husband called, or I think Christy, the midwife called my husband to find out what was going on. And he told her contractions were about three minutes apart and lasting for a minute. And I was surprised to hear him say that because I didn't really have a good conception of how much time was passing. I could tell that they were getting more intense, but I was surprised they were so close together and lasting for so long. Um, so she said she'd come over soon. And then, um, the nurses, when they came in at some point, I think I had taken off the monitors to go to the bathroom 
and so they didn't still they weren't really getting the contractions on the monitors but they could see by looking at me that they were getting a lot more intense um and yeah so when i um at some point i think i came back from the bathroom and a neonatology resident came in wanted me to sign some consent forms for the NICU and it was one of the most awkward moments because I was I got hit with like one of the longest contractions ever I was making all these loud vocalizations and she was just standing there kind of watching the whole time she wanted to explain everything to me and get me to sign it my husband she wouldn't let my husband sign it and an IV fluid that I was on went off at the same time. It was just beeping and beeping. And she, we were all, my husband, my mom, and me, were all just waiting in silence for the contraction to be over and for her to stop watching us. Um, but eventually, I was she able to- She could have at least rubbed your back or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> or turned off the IV. I'm sure she knew how to do it, but yeah, that was strange. Um, so finally, I was able to sign those, and uh, one of the nurses came in and suggested I try getting a ball on the bed and leaning over that. And I really didn't know what position I wanted to be in, but I agreed to try that, and it really did help. Um, people could rub my back while I was doing that, and I could kind of move around on the ball. And it was while I was doing that that Christy, the midwife, came in, and she just joined in, like supporting me, giving me some advice. Um, and by this point, the pain and pressure was getting pretty intense. And I think I, I yelled out that there was a lot of pressure and I was losing the ability to vocalize in the lower registers, felt like it was getting a little bit more than I could manage. Um, and so in my mind, I was thinking, if they check me and they tell me that I'm not even close, I'm going to get the epidural because I don't think I can keep doing this for hours. But I also suspected that I was in transition or up almost to the end because at one point I felt my body kind of instinctively brace and start to push. Um, and so Christy went out and told the doctors, I think you know, things are really happening quickly and you need to come check. And they didn't, I don't think they realized how quickly things were happening because the contraction monitor was never working quite well. Um, so they came in and checked me and they said I was complete plus two. So pretty much ready to push. Mm -hmm. I was, yeah. What time was that? Um, probably about 9 a.m. Okay. I'm going to, we have to take another break right, right at this moment of suspense. suspense. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Hey Mighty Ones, it is not uncommon for stress levels to go up while you're pregnant. You may be worried about the health of your baby, or maybe you're anxious about the birth, or maybe you're wondering how you're going to afford all the extra cost. Or maybe you're just guilt-ridden because you're not eating well and exercising and doing all those little things that everyone is telling you to do for the sake of your little peanut. Fortunately, there is one little simple thing you can do that won't take up more than 10 minutes per day and will improve not only how you feel about all these things I mentioned, but also your birth, the health of your baby, and your own immunity. That little thing is meditation, and yup, it can do all this and even help reduce your pain during labor. Don't know where to start? 
Easy peasy. Check out Expectful, an evidence-based guide meditation app created specifically for new, soon-to-be, or expectant moms. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. And don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who sent you. And we're back. And so the doctors just checked you and you were fully and plus two. Mm-hmm. And it's like two hours later, or three hours later from where you were two centimeters. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think everyone was surprised. I was a little surprised um, that it was already time to push, but not completely surprised based on what I had been feeling, what I had felt my body start to do. Um, so the room suddenly flooded with people, of course. Um, they had warned me that for this type of birth, they would have a bunch of people in there. So there was the attending, residents, um, labor and delivery nurses, neonatologists, NICU nurses, in addition to my team of people. Um, That's a party. Yeah, it was. It was totally the opposite of what I had wanted. I had wanted to have a home birth so that I could have, just so I could be really private and have control over who was there and, you know, but have it really calm. But that's not what ended up happening. I just tried to ignore all of those people on the other side of the room, just focus on pushing, but I felt like I totally lost connection with what was going on in my body at that point. And I don't know if it was from, you know, suddenly the lights were on, there were so many people there, or it was just because of the pushing stage, but I felt like I couldn't feel the contractions anymore and I needed to push. They were, they waited for me to feel one so that I could start, put start pushing, but I, just felt like I couldn't really feel them anymore. So I just kind of guessed and, um, and they wanted me to do certain things with my legs. And I didn't know if that was going to help or not, but, um, yeah, pushing was definitely the hardest part. Cause I felt like I was just kind of exerting a lot of effort, but not really towards anything. Um, didn't really know exactly what it was supposed to feel like, but there were a few times when, I kind of felt like, okay, that's, that's what it's supposed to feel like. And could start pushing towards that. And, um, eventually they told me to stop making noise and just try holding my breath. And, um, I felt like I was just going to push and push and he was never going to come out. Um, my midwife looked me in the eyes at one point and told me like, no, you can do this. And she also told me that, um, the baby's heart rate was dropping a little, so I really needed to push him out, and that really put a fire under me. Um, so, yeah, holding my breath and knowing that that helped, so I finally was able to push him out. And the pushing stage actually only lasted like half an hour. I didn't really know how much time was going by, but when I heard later it was half an hour, it's really not that long. Um, In the moment, though, it didn't seem like half an hour, right? Right. I didn't know how long it was taking. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so they had warned me ahead of time, you're not really going to get to do skin to skin. You won't be able to see him or hold him very much because he's going to have to be rushed off to the NICU. But they did put him on me and I was able to sort of hold him and touch his face and his hand. And he started crying actually right away, which surprised everyone. They thought he was going to have trouble breathing, but he didn't and he opened his eyes. So... That was pretty amazing. Um, and I think they let me hold him a little longer than they maybe normally would have because of that. The nurse told me that she needed to take him away um, maybe after a minute. 
or a little bit less. And they took him over to the other side of the room, were working on him, and then rushed him off to the NICU. Um, yeah, so everything, I didn't ever end up having to get Pitocin at all. The Cytotec worked for starting labor, and after that, I was able to do everything just naturally, and I felt really good about it all afterwards. Of course, it wasn't what I wanted, but baby was totally healthy and everything had gone pretty much as well as it could have gone, all things considered, for the situation I was in. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, all thing yeah, yeah. I mean, he was at this point thirty two weeks. Um mm -hmm. and and so the and within that very high risk setting, so not only in the hospital, but within a high risk, risk setting, I'm listening to you and I, you know, I hadn't heard this story before. I didn't know what to expect. And I'm going like, oh, look, it sounds like a, just a birth, you know, yeah. with like not that many interventions. And I'm, I'm glad and definitely happy that you got as close as possible to what your wishes were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was too. I was very pleased with how naturally we were able to do it, um, considering being in the hospital and having to get induced and how few interventions there were. So yes, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. How mm -hmm. did things develop afterwards? Did you tear? How did the that wrapping yeah, up? When were you able to then go see him again? I tore a little bit, not too bad. Um, yeah, so that took a while to just that fixed but it didn't it wasn't really that bad um my husband was able to go see him in the NICU I don't remember how long he had to wait but not too long um and then I wanted to eat so I ate some lunch and uh tried pumping you should I think looking back I should have tried it even sooner after giving birth um some of the studies that my husband led read later on recommended within half an hour, but we didn't know that at the time. So um, I tried that just to get hormones going. And it was probably maybe two or three hours before I was able to make it over to the NICU. But um, he was, you know, of course, connected to a bunch of different things in the incubator. And he was so tiny. He was four pounds, one ounce, and he was born. So um, not tiny by some standards for some NICU babies, but for an, a regular baby, very small. Um, but he was doing really well. And yeah. Did you guys get to do any skin to skin while he was in the NICU? Yes, we did. Um, I can't remember if we did it that very first day. I don't think we did. Um, but pretty soon after, um, they were very encouraging about us doing skin to skin. And so I do that whenever I could. I actually got to stay in the hospital for uh, about almost a week without, after having been discharged, I could sleep there for a little bit, just using a room. That was really nice. Um, so I could be close to him. And then for another two weeks after I went home, I had, we had to come back to the hospital um, three or four times a day between the two of us and um, he just progressed really well through all of the milestones. It's just, it's hard to have a baby in the NICU, um, you know, just being away from them and seeing them in the little isolate and feeling so helpless, but he did really well 
could, again, couldn't really have asked for better than, you know, considering the situation. Um, and yeah, we used something that I was gonna recommend people could check out if they have a baby in the NICU called the, it's called the Nuru and it's a shirt with kind of a pocket inside so that you can do skin to skin that way. Can you spell um, it? N-U-R-O-O. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'll put it in have, the show links too. Okay, yeah, they have different products, but um, that was one of the, the few things that's small enough recommended for preemie babies. Um, so yeah, that's like my main memory. My biggest memory of the NICU is having him in that thing. And um, yeah, that's how the way that I can remember how small he was is remembering what it felt like to have him in that thing. Mm. And so how I know you wanted to breastfeed because you mentioned that you started pumping um, mm -hmm. with it, you know, after you, you ate. What, how did that go? How was breastfeeding a preemie? Um, it was difficult. I think the steroids that I got when I first got to the hospital um, are not really helpful for all the hormones that you need to start breastfeeding. And then in addition to that, it's just really early. So I think not all of the hormones are you know, ready to go when you give birth that early. Um, so we had to, I had to just try to pump as often as I could. Um, I saw lots of lactation consultants at the hospital and some afterwards. And I mean, the, the advice is pretty much just pump as often as you can every two or three hours throughout the day. And, um, so I did try to do that. I had some trouble finding the right flange and size. Um, I ended up using pump and pals. I don't know. That could be another thing that people could look into if they have, if, um, the flange that they're using is uncomfortable. And once I got that, it was a lot easier. Um, can you describe but, what that is? I, I don't, I am not familiar. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess a typical flange that comes with a breast pump is just kind of like a hard plastic and it's, um, just like a straight line, but the pump and pals is flexible plastic and it's more curved. So it just, it's more comfortable, I think. Mm -hmm. And there's different sizes. I think all of them have different sizes, but, um, I was able to find a size that just fit a lot better. Good stuff. Now, did your son, was he able to, I know you were pumping a lot. When did you mm -hmm. try to get him to the breast? Um, and how did he do with the latching? Yeah. Um, so they recommended waiting until 34 weeks to try that just for his, um, they thought his brain wouldn't be quite developed enough to really try until 34 weeks. So he was started out on a feeding tube and then he moved to a bottle and then at 34 weeks, we were able to try breastfeeding. And, um, it was still amazing, like how he knew instinctively just where to go and what to do. The very first time we tried, um, he moved into the right position right away, and that was so cool to see. But the latch wasn't—it wasn't very good. I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, he was just kind of like moving his mouth, looking around, um, and that was okay for then. It was just, you know, he just needed to get the idea of it, and everyone was very encouraging about, you know, anything he tried to do was good. Um, so. And then, okay, so 34 weeks is when we first started trying, and then he actually was able to go home at 35 weeks. So 
for that week, I would get help from the nurses um, with trying to feed him. And um, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't very successful in the NICU, but that was all expected since he was so young. Um, they gave me a nipple shield to try, which helped him a lot, I think. Um, so, but then I was kind of stuck on that for a while, but that was really okay with me. It didn't bother me too much having to use that. Um, and I think his, his mouth was so small and he wasn't developed enough that it really did help him a lot. And, um, so when we brought him home, we continued giving him some pumped milk and fortifying that. And we kept trying breastfeeding and, um, that went well for about up until his due date. And then, um, we started realizing that there wasn't enough supply. And so he was just hungry all the time. We had to start um, supplementing with formula. I mean, I definitely tried to increase my supply by um, more pumping and um, some other things like teas and, you know, typical things that you can use to try to increase supply, but it didn't really end up working. Um, so we had to keep supplementing more and more and then eventually just um, go on to a formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, I mean, there's so much to it. And you had, like, even when you have a full-term baby, it can be a a challenge to breastfeed. Um, Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that with the preemie that wasn't able to even get to the breasts until about a week after being born at 34 weeks, right? When he was able to to get to the breast. Yeah, Yeah. he was born at 32 and tried it breastfeeding at 34 right exactly two weeks later and um and yeah even with with full-term babies that whole suck swallow breathe coordination and it asks a lot of their muscles of their Mm -hmm. jaw muscles um Mm -hmm. so you did have uh, all these circumstances that were making things more difficult for sure Mm -hmm. yeah actually yeah you just reminded me that we couldn't actually try breastfeeding every time in the hospital or in the NICU when he needed to eat because it would actually burn too many calories and he needed to use those calories to keep himself warm (laughs) and just to grow. So yeah, we weren't able to try it every single time either. It's another challenge. Of course. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. absolutely. So, you know, how are you feeling about this, your whole experience and, and compared to what you initially were wishing for, which was a home birth? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too disappointed with it. I mean, it's disappointing that I didn't get to have the, I guess, the control over and the choice over the birth experience that I wanted to have. But um, considering everything that happened, I feel pretty pretty satisfied with it because um, all of that was outside of my control. So once I was in that situation, um, things went pretty well. I mean, I guess I, you know, ideally I could have chosen a different doctor who was there and actually delivered him. I didn't really like the doctor I ended up with, but that's that's typical for a lot of people. You don't really have a choice over who you get in the hospital. Um, and then of course with breastfeeding, it was a little disappointing that the supply was too low and I wasn't able to get it higher, but I'm just feeling like, you know, next time I'll be able to try next time. Hopefully the birth will go a little bit differently and I'll be able to try that more. So, I mean, yeah, I feel pretty satisfied with 
the birth and how I was able to do that. I feel like I faced a big challenge and I overcame it. And um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it all. Well, I think you're pretty amazing. I think you, <laughs> yeah, I think you are being humble on what you did because that, that would rattle a lot of people. Um, <laughs> and, and I think you did that. It was, it's a lovely story. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what? And how did postpartum continue to go after that? After he came home? Yeah. Um, After he came home, I felt like it was a pretty typical postpartum experience. He was still very small. I came home at five pounds. And um, so, but other than that, I feel like he was typical newborn, you know, and, and I guess until we got to the problems but that's also typical for a lot of people so yeah um, I my body recovered pretty well um, just along the lines of anyone else and um, he hasn't had any health issues like he his breathing was always fine um, he just had to overcome the challenges of growing and getting bigger but he hasn't had any health issues due to being born early mm-hmm what would you say? What, you know, how did becoming a mom transform you? <laughs> well, or this experience, like what was the most transformative part of it? Hmm. I guess I just feel, I feel more empowered about what I can do now and more um, confident in myself. Um for what I was able to do. And I think maybe just being a mom and having responsible responsibility for someone else makes you feel more empowered and confident anyway, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I don't know, I haven't thought about that question too much, but at the very beginning, I feel like I was, um, I thought a lot about just life and death (laughs) because he was so small and helpless in the NICU and the neonatologist made this one comment about how um, kind of everything that develops like the order in which things develop for babies is like the same order that you ended up losing it um, at the end of your life and I thought a lot about that and that was kind of like overwhelming to think about and deal with Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, it's probably related to the, just all the hormones that were going on postpartum too, just being overwhelmed by everything and then <clears throat> thinking about those thoughts too. Mm. Um, yeah. All the but, things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. right. What? Yeah, the- it's just, um, yeah, feeling more confident and empowered with myself. Mm, awesome. What, uh, before we go, was there anything that you wanted to make sure you told the listeners that we didn't get to? Um, I don't think so. Any parting <laughs> words? <laughs> um, I definitely recommend uh, looking into home birth midwives, even if it doesn't work out to have the birth at home. I still felt like it was totally worth it just for the prenatal care and the support that I got in the hospital to have had my home birth midwife there. So, um, I didn't feel like, you know, it was a waste or anything like that to have 
um, started out on that path and then not been able to finish it. Hmm. That's a great point. Um, and I uh, that reminds me that not a lot of people know that midwives provide all kinds of OB and GYN care. It's not just for giving babies. Like they can just take care of any well woman's mm -hmm. needs. Yeah. Yeah. And they love to do that. So <laughs> mm -hmm. um, any I, and I you sent me some some recommendations, some links and I will put and you mentioned some on the show. I will put them in the show notes. Do you have any other resources that you'd like to share? I don't think so. I think those are the two. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. It was really neat to hear. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Mighty Ones, check out the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, or you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. And if you're in the last months of pregnancy and feeling unprepared for going home with a new baby, then go register for my Thrive with Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com so you can get ready and even enjoy those first few weeks. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Simply Breastfeeding and Expectful. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful podcast is part of the Parents on Demand network. Find out more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to a new birth professional to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.